0: Welcome everybody. And let me talk about this notion of undoing mental not In Tibetan we call it semgyindapa tulwa. It captures uh, the whole heart of uh, Buddhist teaching and practice. And that's what we are doing here. This has to do with the fact that we all have desire to be free from this Troubled existence. Do you feel there is a sense of uh, dreadfulness with everything, with life, with the reality? The sense of uh, something is not right, or everything is already hunky-dory. If everything's a hunky-dory, why are you here tonight? (laughs) You'll be doing something else tonight, perhaps. (laughs) Just lounging around, watching TV, enjoying life as it unfolds. So there is a reason why we are here, because we are trying to figure out how we can solve this sense of existential dreadfulness. what Buddha called dukkha, or all-pervading suffering. This suffering is quite subtle. It's not necessarily or deep sorrow, but this very subtle beautifulness pretty much influencing every moment, every hour and every day. Sometimes it requires deep Reflection to become conscious of in that fact in our life, in my life as well as in everyone's life. So that means it boils down to this fact that we all have this deep aspiration as well as also desire. Not a superficial desire but a spiritual desire, desire to be free from this inner limitation and to realize freedom, eternal freedom. Of course, everybody have their own way of expressing this aspiration. Some of you want to Expand your consciousness, which I never heard. There's a terminology in Tibet. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk so much about this uh, phenomenon of expanding one's consciousness. But after I came to states, many people told me that the reason they got into Buddhism because they want to expand their consciousness. It's not a bad idea. Definitely, it would be useful to expand our consciousness and expand our heart, expand our mind. Expansion is good. Instead, stuck with the limitations and the internal stagnations. So, the very realm from which that we want to be free from, is also this notion of samsara. Hmm? Samsara is that state of existential dreadfulness. But we cannot find samsara outside. Samsara is within each of us. Samsara means which is circle, Now and then we have also, of course, fun in samsara. Samsara is not always terrible. So that is the samsara we all want to be free from. Either we want to expand our consciousness, want to be free from suffering or transcend ego, or to purify our karmic obscurations, whatever we like to call, fundamentally we all want to be free from samsara. Samsara has many names. We can call it the world of delusion, world of limitations, world of anguish, or the world of egoism. But when we deeply look into the foundation of samsara, we realize that actually samsara is not made out of any concrete elements. Samsara is simply made out of just concepts. And that's why Buddhism teaches that everything is mind. Everything is mind's projection. Samsara is made out of mind, made out of concepts. Not made out of anything else. And therefore, Buddha taught that there is no samsara that you can eradicate the sense. It is within. Which reminds me of a very famous uh, story of a Buddhist Mahasi named Sarahapa. Sarahapa was a monk in the beginning, and one day he gave up being a monk. So people start uh, criticizing him, the fact that he took off his robe. But then he made this very famous statement. He said, Until I gave rope, monk's rope, I was a pseudo-monk. The moment I gave rope, now I'm the, he said, the eternal monk or something like that. Heruka means like a, a supreme monk, supreme renunciate. So what he is trying to say is that Samsara is not out there, something that we can eradicate or run away from it. Life is not samsara. And life is, of course, very much uh, this uh, extraordinary journey, as well as life is like a garden of many flowers. Life is like a long movie. Life is like an epic. Involving many chapters, colors, and textures, as you say, life is like tapestry. With ups and downs, sadness, joy, trial, tribulations, delusion, enlightenment, and so forth. But life itself is not samsara. So there is no need to try to get rid of Life or any from life, which is the wrong approach. Because samsara is within each of us. It's a state of our mind because it is made out of a just concepts. All these concepts I am concept, suffering is concept, nirvana is concept, even samsara is concept. Birth, death, everything's is concept. Even death is a concept. Can you believe that? The death that we are all trying to fight against? This phenomenon called death that uh, frightens everybody, it turned out to be just a concept. doesn't exist anywhere else. Tibetan Yogi Malariba said, and one of his Doha's spiritual songs, in the beginning, I was very much afraid of uh, death, so I went into the mountains, wilderness, to search for the wisdom of immortality. So after a while, I discovered the deathlessness. Now I have no fear of death. I reach it the citadel of the Buddhahood. So what he is saying that he transcended the death, it does not mean that he realized some kind of spiritual miracle or Siddhi like immortality, literal immortality, literally physical deathless. What he meant is that he transcended death because he has realized this ultimate truth that there are no really samsara, there are no birth, there are no death. And since samsara is simply made out of just concepts. So even this notion of I that we're so much attached to is just concepts. In the end everything's concepts. The I that we're holding on to, cherishing, trying to secure day and night. This a uh, source of all suffering, all our problems, this notion of I it turned out to be just the concept. doesn't exist anywhere else, after all. So that's why meditation, all the spiritual disciplines, whatever we practice, comes down to this very simple notion. Untie the mental knot, which is a Tibetan expression, same in the in my lineage, we used to recite this prayer again, again, may I have the ability to untie the mental knot. When I was young, I thought there was literally mental knot in each of us, <laughs> some kind of chakra blockage. And that you can literally untie it by using some transformative tantric Buddhist techniques like mantras, mutras. Of course, it was it, it was a completely childish fantasy. But it means that the purpose of all the practices in Buddhism is not really about getting somewhere or acquiring some higher level of spiritual realization. If you try to acquire a higher level of spiritual realization, even including nirvana and Buddhahood, then there's a possibility that we are missing the whole point. Chasing after Buddhahood is a fun, but nothing more than chasing after the rainbow. If we chase after rainbow, it would be very fun, especially if we end up running in the whole army of spiritual people <laughs> chasing after rainbow. Of oh, course, would be very fun, especially if you really believe that you are going to eventually catch the rainbow. What I'm speaking about is actually quite relevant, even though many people think that I'm little. But uh, how do you say? Sometimes uh, uh, holy gram- holy oh god, holy grumpy. Yes, grumpy, right? <laughs> do I sound a little bit grumpy? <laughs> because I always feel that I'm. Spoiling the good moment that everybody is having. <laughs> Most of the time, people are having a good time in the spiritual world. It's like almost uh, just a few weeks before Christmas. Spiritual people have fun usually because it's all about going somewhere. And getting something that is uh, supposed to be inherent to the very good, whatever that means. Enlightenment, or Buddhahood, or moksha It's all good about getting something, acquiring this and that. There's so much to acquire. There's so much to accumulate in the spiritual world. Right from the very beginning, all the way to the end, which doesn't have end unfortunately, <laughs> we just keep getting more and more, getting wonderful belief systems, identity, and new illusions, <laughs> replacement of older illusion that is already fallen apart. It's all about getting and acquiring, but that is not the true spirituality, what Buddha was speaking about. Buddha said, "My path is the path of Aranga. Aranga means non-attachment. That is not about acquiring new illusions. Yes, we can keep acquiring new illusions. And have fun for a time, but we won't get anywhere in the end. So there, therefore, the the dharma or the true spirituality is not really about going somewhere or doing something or acquiring this or that, but rather it's all about untying this mental knot. That means just losing all our concepts in the end. Let me repeat this phrase again. It's all about losing all our concepts. Quite simple, isn't it? We can' pretend. We can't pretend that we haven't heard it or we don't understand it. There's no mystery about it. It's quite a simple message, losing all our concepts. Mm-hmm. The more we lose our concept, the more we lose suffering. We lose everything. We lose everything that don't belong to our pure State of we are we lose all our delusion sorrow hatred delusion we lose all of them. So this is, is what Buddha was speaking about. That is Buddha's spirituality, losing all concept. That is the Buddhism. Do we love Buddhism now? (laughs) One time I was uh, traveling to Seattle, sat next to a gentleman. who noticed that I was wearing this clothes, I was wearing the same clothes as now, almost uh, this red skirt, so he noticed that I was a Buddhist. And we went to pick up our suitcase at the baggage claim, and he approached me, and he asked me, are you a Buddhist? I said, sort of. And he said, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you think Buddhism is cool. Yes, Buddhism is cool. Buddhism is very lovable as a teddy bear. Yes. Buddhism is very exotic. Entertaining, profound and so forth. But after all, we must realize there is a difference between the the form of Buddhism and the heart of Buddhism. The form of Buddhism is not the true Buddhism. It is simply just form. The shaved monks, The yogis in Tibet, the monasteries, you see, all these beautiful traditions, ceremony, scriptures that we find in Zen Buddhism, Theravadan Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, these are the form or expression of Buddhism. And getting attached. And falling in love with the form of Buddhism, without completely surrendering to the heart of Buddhism, it's like falling in love with the reflection of moon in the water, rather than really falling in love with the moon in the sky. So then, what is really Buddhism after all? <laughs> Tonight, I feel that we should talk about what. Is it really Buddhism? Taken refuge in the Buddha? Is that Buddhism? Or uh, becoming part of Buddhist society? Which is quite easy to do. Much easier than getting citizenship in this country. <laughs> <laughs> which takes many years. But become Buddhist is very easy. All we need is to take this ceremony called refuge ceremony. Then you become Buddhist. It takes usually between 10 and 20 minutes. Then you become Buddhist. It's quite easy to become Buddhist. So the Buddhism can be very liberating, but also can be sometimes a little bit challenging too. It's not always like this very smooth, gentle, like teddy bear or like uh, delicious ice cream. Buddhism can be very challenging sometimes because Buddhism really demands, in the end, losing all our concepts, which is the act of non-attachment or the Aranga. Because if we don't lose all our concepts, then there's no true transformation, in our consciousness. We are still the same person who used to be 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or 100 years ago, if we lived longer than 100 years, nothing really has been changed inside. We are still very much bound to our concepts, ideas, fear, hope, and so forth. Even though we may end up finding some sense of a spiritual comfort and security, but nothing has been changed inside in a deeper level. So therefore, the essence of Buddhist practice is just keep losing all our concepts. That's pretty much it. And this is not just uh, Anam Tipton's version of Buddhism. <laughs> my name is Anam Tipton. <laughs> if that is kid, then it's good news. You can say, well, I love Buddhism, but I don't love Anam Tipton's version of Buddhism. Mm, I love my own version of Buddhism or somebody else's version of Buddhism, because my Buddhism doesn't require losing all my concepts. I don't want to lose my concepts, no, that's not my style, no, I'm going to defend all my concepts actually. Don't ever tell me losing concepts, actually I'm into acquiring concepts, better concepts even, holier concepts. I'm not going to buy your version of Buddhism. Hmm? Indeed, I don't have to buy your version of Buddhism. This all stuff, losing all your concepts. I'm not into losing concepts. Yes, I love concepts. <laughs> Indeed, I'm devote of concepts. I worship concepts. I worship sacred concepts How about that. Holy concepts. I worship this concept called enlightenment. I worship this concept called nirvana. This beautiful rainbow, the spiritual rainbow. Don't tell me suddenly out of nowhere just lose all concepts. And not only that, you can say, I know how to realize this thing called liberation, enlightenment, Buddhahood, all this good stuff without losing any concept. How did you figure out a way? Yes? Our spiritual ego can argue in such a way. But in the end, actually the there's nothing to be done except it's all about losing our concepts. This is not my definition of Buddhism. This is actually heart of Theravadan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, and the Tibetan Buddhism. They all teach the same thing with slightly different language and tone of voice. Today I realize that I'm coming here to offer a Dharma talk. And uh, I was preparing for my talk. I had uh, prepared perhaps a bit even 30 minutes and 40 minutes Dharma talk for this evening. And just before I got here, they were gone. They are com- completely gone from my mind. Now I am doing something totally spontaneous. (laughs) But one thing I remember is that uh, this anecdote that I came across in one of the Buddhist sutras and Nikaya sutras. Uh, I'm glad that there are not too many people from my Sangha tonight because... uh, they would be feel very much offended by me because I never prepared my dharma talks for them. <laughs> they may feel that I'm not taking them too seriously or not respecting them. I always give spontaneous talks. Sometimes I call them dharma gossip. Sometimes I call them spiritual pep talk. So in that sense, I was trying to Uh, give a a talk to the best of my ability since uh, uh, James asked me to teach tonight. But unfortunately I forgot everything pretty much before I got here. (laughs) But The anecdote that I still remember is that one time Buddha was uh, staying in a village in India. And Buddha became so popular, he drew so much reverence from everybody in the village, as always Buddha does. So there was a man who got very jealous of Buddha's popularity, so he started actually bribing some people in the village and to go around and create false accusations and lies and stories about Buddha and his Sangha. Which become problem, and monks and nuns had a hard time to get food from the begging because people didn't respect them anymore. So Ananda, Buddha's disciple, informed Buddha what is happening, and also he suggest Buddha that they all should move to another town. Buddha said. Well, if we move to another town, it's going to be something all over. There's going to be somebody who's going to be unhappy with us. So stay here, Buddha said. Stay here, because eventually everything comes to an end. And then Buddha said, gain, loss, praise, criticism, success, fail. They're all just illusory. They come and they go away. Nothing remains forever. What Buddha is really trying to say is they're all just concepts. Everything that we are so attached to, we are attached to success, we're afraid of fail, we don't like criticism, we love praise. Isn't that true? <laughs> we don't like criticism. If somebody tells us that we're not good enough, if somebody even makes the slightest level of remark or criticizing about ourselves, we realize that we become so unhappy, angry, and reactionary. Sometimes when we hear even just very innocent, simple criticism from somebody else, we feel that suddenly our consciousness turned into this demon, this monster. We lose a sense of peace, clarity, and luminosity, and we created a hell in our consciousness. Because we are very much attached to all these things in our life. But ultimately, they're all illusions, they're just concepts. In the same way, we get so much attached to also praise, We get very much attached to fame and success, health, youth, and so forth. And beautiful illusions. We want to have all the beautiful illusions. But in the end, they're all merely concepts. Everything that we're trying to obtain and trying to get rid of are just... Simple illusion. As we said earlier, death is a concept and success is concept. Good is concept and bad is concept In the end. It's all concept. Even nirvana is a concept, so samsara true. This sound sometimes quite, actually, very boring and a little bit frightening, this whole idea of a losing concepts, you see. But actually, it turned out to be this is the most liberating path and spiritual practice, the losing concept. And this is also fun, too, since we love fun. In the modern days, we don't like anything that is not fun. We like anything that is fun to the extent that spirituality should be fun. (laughs) But actually losing concept is fun. It is a lot of fun because when you lose your concept, either all of them together in one single moment or one after another, all you experience is this genuine, natural sense of liberation and freedom. That uh, is much more amazing than getting some kind of false joy, happiness from taking refuge in illusions, including even spiritual illusions too. So this is what meditation is all about. Meditation is actually the act of losing all our concepts. The idea is, in the Buddhism, actually when we sit on the ground, we vow that we are going to drop and lose all our concepts. As an idea, by the time when we get up from meditation, cushion, we are supposed to lose all our concepts and walk away with this pure mind, this pure consciousness, and that is free from all delusions. That isn't the idea. There's a warning sign in one of the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, which says, there is a danger that when you sit on the meditation cushion, you could be deluded as anybody else, But by the time when you get up from meditation cushion, you may be going to be totally enlightened. So be careful. (laughs) Isn't it a nice warning sign? (laughs) Be careful that you may be going to be enlightened. By the time when you get up from meditation cushion, then you may forget totally all your sorrow, all your concept. You may forget all your personal illusions forever completely. There's such possibility. So this is uh, something we must keep in our heart. One of my daily Buddhist practices is actually to wake up early morning, and I recite the sutras early morning to really remind me myself what really Buddha taught, what really Buddhism is all about. Sometimes I have the energy as well as I'm in the mood to recite the sutras, prayers, and liturgies. Sometimes I don't have the time or I'm not in the mood to recite anything. <laughs> and then at least, I try to remind myself that the path of buddha is aranga I tell myself the path of buddha is aranga and I am on that path the path of non-attachment it remind me that the whole point of being on the path of buddha is and to learn losing and going beyond all concepts, and to be free in each and every moment. Then there's really nothing to be done unless we completely open heart to this path of non-attachment and learn and lose all our concepts. If that is not the path, then what would be the path? Then path would be about uh, acquiring something, maybe the enlightenment. But as I said earlier, nobody in human history end up realizing enlightenment by chasing after it. (laughs) Have you ever run into anybody who realized enlightenment because they have been chasing after it because they're very good at chasing it? Have you ever run into anybody who caught rainbow because they have been chasing after rainbow? So that's pretty much all. It's all about losing (laughs) concepts. Does it sound too simple? (laughs) And this is what I'm going to tell the rest of my life. Lose all our concepts. This I have been telling for quite a while. I told my Sangha, one thing that you can be certain is that as long as you run into me, you're going to hear the same message. Lose all your concepts. And then you may realize that you don't know how to lose your concepts. That's okay. At least you can be honest to yourself. You can tell yourself, I don't know how to lose my concepts. Even though I have been on this path, I've been trying to lose my concepts. But instead of losing them, and since I'm gaining more and more concepts. Hmm? That's okay too. You are not alone in this universe. At least good to be honest to oneself, but if we give this sole intention and not to be distracted, not to be subtracted on the spiritual path, wanting nothing, even enlightenment to a certain point we have to let go of. I remember reading those beautiful teachings in the form of a friendly conversations between Zen Master Shindu Suzuki Roshi and his disciples. And many times his disciples ask him, what is enlightenment? How you can have that? He always tells them, enlightenment is in some sense, actually just another grand illusion. So even we have to let go of this uh, illusion of enlightenment, too, in the end. And not really chasing after anything, not really looking for anything. Instead, lose everything. Lose all our concepts. Lose all our delusions. And when we lose everything, then what is remaining is our two essence, the Buddha mind, the Tathangatangarbha, which is already enlightened in the first place. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you for listening to my Dharma pep talk. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's not good pep talk. (laughs) It's a little bit uh, challenging sometimes. So that's why it's not even pep talk. So thank you for your receptivity. Let's uh, do dedication together. Let's dedicate the merit of uh, everything we are doing together. The meditation, the pure intention, the teaching as course for complete... freedom for all beings throughout space. And let me recite this prayer, dedication prayer in Tibetan. Sonam li tamcha zikpanyi, tom nini birtanam pamchicha, gerga nam chingi balong soli doa vrisho, shantyam samchoram boche, Mahibanam nam chingirje, kibay Goni Gon the Emperor Let me tell you just one, one story. Actually, it's not a story. In, in Tibetan language, and there are many names for the enlightened ones. One of them is called Jigpopa, It means one who lost all the concepts. Jigpopa. Thank you.